Welcome to another episode of the Chronically Healing Podcast with Jesse Fritz and Christina Sangera. We are so happy to have you along on this chronically healing journey. And today's episode will not disappoint. Let's just dive right in. Well, actually, no, let me take a step back because I've been <laughs> loving our convos before we talk about it. So first, let me just ask you how your week went and then we'll ju- we'll jump into the episode. Yeah. Um, I feel like this last week has been kind of crazy for me. I've just been like super busy, like with life and work and stuff, but, um, it's interesting. I feel like mentally I have not been having the best week and I don't know, usually like coming out of my cycle, I'm actually like flying high, like a bird. It's like the best time of the month for me. And I've been pretty low energy, pretty low mood. So, um, I've actually been looking which is interesting that we talked about this stuff today with Ashley about, um, trauma, which we'll talk to you guys about in a second. But, um, I have been looking into finding a therapist who specializes in somatic healing. So like specifically helping someone yeah, with stuff like that. So I've been looking into it, but it's actually very difficult to find someone like all therapists are just booked out right now, which is like, I wonder why. But yeah, it's like, could it be the last like two years of dysfunction? Right. But it like sucks for, for people that need it. Um, but, but it's good that more people are going to therapy. So that's kind of been my focus. I feel like it's been a pretty good week, but it's also been a little bit lower than some of my weeks have been in the past, but how, how's your week been? Yeah, I would say it's, it's going well. I think I told you, yeah, I texted you. I'm actually doing the wavelength program Mm -hmm. from one of our guests coming up Mm -hmm. and I am really enjoying it. Something about me. And this is something that I think is so important for coaches to be transparent about is being a coach does not mean that you are not susceptible to all the things that you help people with. But I say that because I have struggled with emotional eating on and off throughout my life and it has hindered my healing journey. It's hindered my goal, my postpartum weight loss goal, which actually now does not matter to me as much, but still I want to get to a certain place Mm -hmm. and I'm really enjoying the program. So that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's really, what I like about it is it goes it's very progressive. Like I don't have to do it all in one day. Mm -hmm. It's a daily practice that takes me less than 10 minutes. In fact, yesterday I had my prompt from yesterday prompted me this morning to journal. Mm -hmm. One thing she talks about is getting curious. And I, we talked about this on the episode too, Mm -hmm. getting curious instead of getting angry with yourself, basically when you have a moment. And so this morning I journal and I came up with five questions to ask myself when a craving strikes that were just told me mm. what I needed anyway. So I, I think it's cool just working on myself so I can yeah. work on others. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's the episode with Sarah Stites. She's yes. the CEO at the time of, of this Link. recording. It hasn't come out yet, but it will be out. It, you'll love it. One. Yeah. Oh, it will. It, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. It'll be out before this one that we're recording I get confused right now. with the chronology of things. I know it's so confusing, but what's, what's funny too, about Sarah, I texted Christina like a couple of days after <laughs> our interview, because I went into insight timer, which is my meditation app that I have obviously not used in months. And I remember (laughs) when I got on the call with Sarah, I was like, God, her picture looks so familiar. Like she sounds so familiar. I log into insight timer and I'm like going through my saved, like my favorites. So I have like favorite, you know, things that I listen to 
consistently when I am meditating and Sarah pops right up. I had been listening to her meditation for like a year and here I had no idea, um, which I wish I would have, cause I would have brought it up on the call, but she has a great meditation on insight timer as well. <laughs> oh, good to know. I, I want to still check it out. I have that app. Mm-hmm. I like so, it yeah. because it's free and you can pay for it. I think I've paid for it before to get like some of the courses and stuff. I did but... too. And then I was, I wasn't doing them. I right. Exactly. Yeah. Same. But I, th- I feel like I hope for a free app, there are some oh, really yeah. good free so meditations on there. And I feel like some of the other apps I used to really love calm, but you have to pay for like everything on there now. And I'm like, I just go through waves with meditation where I, sometimes I'm really into it and sometimes I'm not. So, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. I just think in general and whatever ways we can connect with our body, be more introspective. I don't know about you, but I feel like when I'm doing these things to take care of myself, it trickles over also into other realms of my life. Mm -hmm. An example is yesterday. I felt myself really absorbing someone else's energy. Mm -hmm. And because I've been doing so much work on myself, I was able to recognize that Mm -hmm. and cut it off at the pass versus coming home and being in this funk and not really knowing why. Mm -hmm. So I just think in general, we embark on this journey of figuring ourselves out and loving on ourselves. It's a really cool ripple effect that impacts our relationships, impacts our own health. I don't know. I'm just Mm -hmm. all about it. I'm, I'm, I'm like a self improvement junkie, Mm -hmm. but now after this episode, maybe that's a bad thing, but then I also (laughs) feel like I've, I don't know who knows, but it feels good. So I'm rolling with it. I think, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that it, it can be a bad thing. Just like anything can be a bad thing. If you're like, you know, letting, I think it it would be bad if I wasn't addressing trauma and like, Hey, you are living here. Which, so let's jump into that because that's what this episode really centers on is yes. trauma. And I with like Ashley, that. Ashley Ashley. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're so good at prompting me. <laughs> I feel like we've done an episode before where I was like, we never said the guest name in the beginning. And I'm like, oh God. But yeah. So with Enjoy. Ashley Bernardi, she's the author of authentic power. So we're really excited to talk to her today. Oh Yeah. So one of the things we jumped, we jumped into was the definition of trauma. So Mm -hmm. listen to the episode. I feel like your mind is going to be blown in a good way. And you're really going to walk away feeling like you have a clear understanding of what trauma is. And also I wanted to chat a little bit about trauma living in the body. Mm -hmm. We dive into it into the episode. I just want to give you a little bit of science as well, because in case there's any nerds like me who want to understand the science of it. When we hear that trauma is being stored in the body, I GTS it. Do you know what GTS stands for? Google the shit. Google that shit. Yeah, I was close. (laughs) (laughs) And so here it is. The organs, tissues, skin, muscles, and endocrine glands can store trauma. Mm. These parts have peptide receptors that let them access and retain emotional information. This means that your memories are in your body and your brain. Wow. And that definition really helped me yeah. to truly, okay, cool. So there's actually something physical going on mm. to store these memories. And a lot of our memories get stored in our muscles and our fascia. That's the, the typical place that it, I already knew that part, but I was still, I still just struggled with, well, how does it get stored and what is the mm. mechanism by way? And I'm just super nerdy. So that was, I like that definition. Yeah. I love that. I think too, it's helpful for me. I've had, you know, my husband keeps pushing this point with me and a lot of other people. Um, like, I don't want to blame. I'm not one of those people that's like going to blame all of my weight on trauma because it's also on the fact that I like 
bad food, but, um, Hey, hey wait, hold on, hold on. See, I'm remember we're working on like, not like we are like, in Oh general, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you're bad right. food. Right. Yeah. It's not bad. It's you're just, right. Whatever. We'll call yeah. it neutral for now, I guess. <laughs> I'm just calling food. you out. Cause I love you. And I no, know that I appreciate normal. that. Well, and too, I'm trying to like downplay the situation, which is natural, not something I should be doing, but the, like, I've been told by multiple people that they believe that some of the weight or some of the issues that I'm having with getting rid of the weight is because it's tied to trauma and trauma, you know, protecting myself, putting up this physical wall of protection and, and stuff. And it's been really hard for me to connect with because I'm like, you know, I'm very hard on myself. Like I just said, like, no, I'm just eating a bunch of shit food. Like, no, because I don't want to sit and take the time to be like, oh, maybe it is this like trauma that I haven't moved through, you know? So I feel like it's interesting. All of our guests recently, I have just been like re-triggering this piece and I'm like, all right, I hear the freaking message. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was really nice talking to Ashley about trauma in general, because I think, and I'm sure there's people listening to this episode who just assume that trauma means, you know, death or rape or, you know, all of these things, which are terrible and they are traumatic obviously, but our bodies also take in other things. Some people like to call them little T traumas or, you know, things like that. These other traumas that kind of they're traumatic to your body. It might not, something that happens to me might not traumatize Christina's body, but it might do to mine. So I think it was, we talk, uh, both Christina and I, and Ashley go into deep into some, you know, things that we've gone through on our side, some personal stories and how trauma has affected us and how moving through that has been helpful. And, and it was really just interesting hearing Ashley's story about it too. Yeah. I never, well, I now realize the trauma of our studio, our fitness studio Mm. during COVID. Right. When we were in therapy, I remember how you said in the episode about how you were kind of suppressing your feelings. I did the same thing. We were in therapy and hubby was really stressing. And I was like, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And the therapist is like, are you sure? (laughs) And then one day I just lose it. Right. Clearly I was not fine. Who would ever be fine with their 12 years of work just going down the drain? You're like that meme where like the guy's just like sitting in fire and he's like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Totally good. (laughs) Life's just great. And it, it was actually really helpful. And that's actually around the time my insomnia developed, my sleep mm-hmm. apnea developed. Right. I actually think some of that, all of that could be the trauma from friggin' not knowing if we were going to lose our business. So anyway, all of that to say, when I started to really hone into what is trauma, how does it store? And then I even just posted a video this morning of myself doing ecstatic dance. There's all mm-hmm. these things I do now to actively move things through my body and Oh man, I just feel like I have so much more power and it feels really good because I I spent so much of my life just thinking that this was always going to be the destination. Mm -hmm. This is just my baseline. This is just who I am. This is just how I have to live my life. Mm -hmm. And that I look back and I just yearn for her to, to know that something better was coming. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that that's, that's so good to like, think about. I definitely feel that and have been there or am there. Like, I feel like we go through these, yeah, we like, go back and, and forth flow, for sure. Right. And what that's why, like, and Ashley gives us some like tangible help on like how to move through different, um, yes. you know, I emotions that we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's super helpful. And plus she just has like 
and a very energetic energy. I felt it was yeah. so fun talking to her. You could tell that she is just like living her best life. And a lot of these methods that she's using in her story, what she talks about in her book is just has really helped her become, I don't want to say like, like it's kind of given her herself back, right? Like she's just like this enthusiastic. I, I just like really t- like talking to her. She had a great energy. Yeah. I walked away feeling really ready to continue my day. You know, Mm -hmm. you just talk to some people who pep you up. Right. And it's, it's a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So make sure you guys listen into this episode. Let us know what you think over in our Facebook group, which is the chronically healing community on Facebook. Make sure that you are following us over on Instagram. I think it's chronically healing podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Chronically healing podcast. Um, so follow us over there and make sure that you rate and review the podcast. It really helps us grow and we can get into the earbuds of other people in the chronic illness community who want to hear from our wonderful guests that we've been having on. So we really appreciate all of you listening and yeah, I think I'm excited for this episode. I am excited for everybody to listen in. Yes. And I want to demo something live and let's see if we want to keep doing it next episode. Sure. I was thinking we could leave them with one action item to take into their week after they listen to the episode. Mm. So what I was thinking as I thought of that was for them to practice the feel method, which they'll learn about in the episode Mm -hmm. uh, at least once in the next week. What do you Mm -hmm. think? Oh, I love that. Like it's something when she was talking about it, I'm like, I'm like putting it in my little memory bank of like, okay, I need to to do this next time. Cause it's so easy. So yeah. easy to remember. On the go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the go. Like she said, you can just do it in the car if you want to, but, um, but yeah, I, I love that. So yeah. In the next week, when you're feeling some type of way, <laughs> do the out, feel yeah, method, do the feel method and let us know over in on Instagram or over on Facebook, what, what you thought of that. And we'll, we'll tell Ashley about it. I'm sure she'd be excited. Oh yeah. She'll love it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, you wonderful people enjoy this episode and we will talk to you next episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse and my wonderful co-host, Christina Sangero. We're so excited to have you guys back for another week. And this week we are interviewing Miss Ashley and Bernardi. We're so excited to meet you and talk to you today. So thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Yay. Thank you, Jesse and Christina. It is such a pleasure to be here. Perfect. We're so excited to talk to you today. So why don't we jump right in? Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and then your background with chronic illness? Yeah, thank you. So um, I am a I'm a mom of three adorable girls at home and also a business owner by day. And I'm also author of a new book called Authentic Power, Give Yourself Permission to Feel, which was born out of my health crisis that I experienced about um, six to seven, uh, about six and a half, seven years ago this year um, that pretty much changed the trajectory of my entire life. Um, it was an undiagnosed mystery illness for about a year mm-hmm. um, before I became pregnant with my third child. And with many chronic illnesses, when I was pregnant with my third child, the symptoms went away and I thought I was better. Mm. And, um, and my, I remember my OB saying that oftentimes when you're pregnant, the immune system goes quiet. Mm -hmm. And so even though like I still had this illness, I thought you was cured of it. But then the day my daughter Scarlett was born, it came the moment she was born, my body recognized that there was something invading uh-huh. um, my system and it came back tenfold. And that's, that's really where my story 
um, really truly began um, because I was so sick. Um, in the, I remember even delivering her and my blood pressure dropped in the hospital to extremely dangerous levels. I was sent home a couple days later with just fever and migraine and heart palpitations. I mean, I had every single symptom in the book and um, I knew what it was. I mean, I'm a journalist by training. I had done the research. I was like, this is Lyme disease, mm-hmm. but I had, I was, and with many people with chronic illnesses, I had been already written off by so many doctors. And even still then going doctor to doctor to doctor, oh, you're just a young mom with three kids. You have postpartum this and this. And I can't tell you how many times I was written off. So in addition to Lyme disease, I was also diagnosed with postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and put in a part-time hospitalization program. The part, the postpartum depression was my first diagnosis before the Lyme disease. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until doctor number 30. Um, (laughs) and did I actually get a proper diagnosis? And I'll also say this, it wasn't until I actually, my husband came with me. Did I feel like doctors started listening to me? That's a whole nother conversation. So (laughs) that's a little bit of my story, a lot more to share, but I'll just start there. (laughs) I wanted to unpack something that you mentioned a lot in when you speak about trauma and I feel like a lot of people hear the word trauma and they get a little bit confused on what that actually is. So I wanted to see if we could dive a little bit into how would you describe trauma if someone came up to you and just said, Hey, what is trauma? And then my second part to this question is I myself have heard this and I know that I'm still unpacking what this looks like. We hear that trauma stores in the body. Mm -hmm. When we hear that, well, is it in my stomach? Is it in my shoulders? So I would love for you to expand on what that looks like too, because I know you've done so much work in this space. And I feel like our listeners, this could be a really good way for them to finally start to understand what it actually looks like. One, what trauma is. Two, what does it mean when it's living in our body? Oh, so good. The, <laughs> those are two such powerful questions. Okay. So first, what is trauma? So this is the thing that people mistake about trauma. People think that trauma is, and I have experienced childhood trauma for sure. My dad died on me when I was 11 years old. So, you know, that, that is, that is, you know, serious trauma. So people look at me and they're like, wow, she had trauma. What people don't understand is that things like a job loss, a divorce, uh, a death of a friend, um, even, even a health crisis, a health crisis, a chronic illness is a trauma. This is any sort of adversity that you might be facing that is causing an adverse reaction in your system physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. It doesn't need to be, um, you know, a soldier coming home from war PTSD. It doesn't need to be something like me where, um, you know, my dad died in front of me. Trauma looks different for everyone. I think it's so important that we learn to define it in our own way that, that feels right for us. But what I've come to learn about trauma, having experienced multiple traumas now was that, yes, I had the trauma of my dad dying, but my health crisis was so profound, but so such a different type of trauma than the one of grief, Mm. but, but also very similar to grief because I was grieving the loss of my health. Um, and so that's really how I would define trauma, but I also want to just throw it out there that like trauma looks different for every single person. And just because I have a crazy trauma story doesn't mean that you haven't experienced trauma. If -hmm. you are dealing with a health crisis in my eyes, you've experienced trauma. And here's the thing. 
we're all going through a collective trauma right now that is the global mm-hmm. pandemic and my the, and that that's really what what ignited me and inspired me to write my book power because I, when we were first going through all of this uncertainty in 2020, I had these very familiar feelings of grief, of loss, of trauma start bubbling up inside of me. And before my health crisis, I would just bury all these feelings down and not process them. This is kind of going to your second question, Christina. But in during the pandemic, because I've already done all this healing work, I was like, wait a second, I've been here before. I know what to do now. And, and so I processed my grief and trauma from this collective trauma that we're all experiencing in real time. It looked like many different ways for me. That was, you know, meditation, yoga, a lot of crying, a lot of screaming, a lot of breath work. I did um, the uh, science of well-being course. I mean, there was, I was actively processing trauma in real time from the pandemic. And I wrote this book because my fear was that, um, people are going to look back at this moment of time and not realize that we're all going through a trauma. And therefore we're not like, and maybe years and years from now, people are going to start having some weird physical symptoms start bubbling up in other ways because we haven't addressed the trauma that we are all experiencing right now. I was grieving the loss of my children's education. That's another form of trauma. I mean, talk about having our kids at home virtual learning for a year and a half. So that's what I mean by like collective trauma. I mean, and just trauma in general. Mm-hmm. Um, now you also mentioned about, sorry, your second question, holding it in the body. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But before we go to that, you actually yeah. just brought something to me that I want to pull. And that is, I think sometimes people assume that their trauma isn't valid because right. it's not that big trauma that you just mentioned. And I love that you shed some light on that because I can't tell you how many people don't think about the trauma from pandemic, from the job mm-hmm. loss, from the things, because mm-hmm. we don't typically think of those in the light of trauma. We don't typically feel that our story is as important as that person who experienced death or something that is so primally just yeah. upends our life. And yeah, I, yeah. I think it's really important that people understand that your any trauma is valid. Any trauma can affect you no matter how big or small. So I just wanted to pull that out because I think that's really important. Can I, yeah. Can I tell a little story? It's actually interesting that you're bringing this up in the way you're bringing it up because, um, a few years ago before COVID was a thing, um, I was in couples therapy with my husband because we had gone through this, you know, together trauma of both of us getting sick at the same time. We lost all of our money. We went through this extreme trauma. And at the time he was sicker than me and I've always had an autoimmune disease. So I was kind of used to being the sick person and I wasn't used to being the caretaker. Mm. And, you know, we had all of this, all this stuff happened to us and we were in couples therapy. And I remember that I wasn't really talking and my therapist was like, you know, she was talking to me and I was like, well, Ben is the one that went through the, he went through the hard stuff. He was really sick. I like, this isn't about me. I wasn't traumatized. And she was like, Mm-mm. <laughs> she was like, there's different kinds of trauma. She's like, you went through a trauma. Like this was yeah. traumatic to your system and yes. you don't have to be, you know, in a huge car accident, almost die, have, you know, a parent die. Like it's, those are also trauma, but 
that mm-hmm. your body is recognizing this as a trauma. And I'll be honest, I'm still two years, two and a half years out of that. And I'm still dealing with it being stuck in my body, which we can talk about in a second, like the, um, not, and not fully moving out of it. And it's still affecting me today. So, so yeah, it's just like, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I remember at the time just like breaking down in tears because both my therapist and my husband could see that I was, I was going through something something going on in there. Right. But Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, no, it's not bad enough to be considered trauma. Right. That right there, bad enough. It's 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 not not worthy enough. enough. It's not big enough. That is where I think we get stuck. Right. Yes. I agree with you. And I think about this actually all the time. And like in my head, I'm like, I wish people would stop comparing traumas. Right. Trauma is trauma. It affects your body and in, in it's like something, and you said this, um, it was like, it, it, it shocked your body. So like if something shocks your body, that is traumatic and it deserves and needs to be processed mm-hmm. and you have to move through it in order to heal. It doesn't matter what that is. It could even be your boss, like, um, or it could be verbal abuse. It could be emotional abuse. That is a trauma too. It could be any sort of abuse. Um, but it, like I said, we were saying it looks different for everyone mm-hmm. and, 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 and it's not, um, it doesn't work to com- for us to compare traumas because everyone's trauma is differently. And I also want to say this, this is something important that I learned recently too, is that even if, if two people or three people have experienced the same trauma, using my mom's sister and I, as an example of we, even if people experience the same trauma, my mm-hmm. mom's sister and I all had my dad die in front of us. We all three of us tried to save his life. But mm-hmm. to this day, my mom will talk about that experience differently than I do. She'll talk about what happened differently than what I do and talk about what my sister will give a different story than what I give because trauma, you look at it differently, no matter who you are. Now we can look at this, like the pandemic pandemic too. This is a collective trauma, but we're all looking at it differently. We're all Mm -hmm. experiencing it differently. We're all processing it differently. And we're all going to need to heal from it very differently too. Mm -hmm. And that also means that it's not necessarily the event. It's our body, our nervous system, our brain's response to that event. Mm -hmm. Because I also know a lot of people who the pandemic has actually been a blessing. They got a little bit of time away from toxic coworkers. Mm -hmm. They had more freedom to be at home when usually they'd have to be commuting every morning. And then there's others who are losing it. which is completely valid, but it's so interesting to see that dynamic where some people are loving it. It reminds me of those memes where introverts are like, this is my life. I love it. (laughs) That was my husband. He's like, can we go back to pandemic times? And like the extrovert in me is like, can we not? You're right. It's socially acceptable to be indoors at all times. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And it's, that's such a great point because it's so true. People like all see that very, very differently. Now for someone like me, and I feel like this is, this is very true for many, um, chronically ill people. I've always been told that I'm more highly sensitive than the average bear. I'm a highly Mm. sensitive person. And, um, in my previous life before illness, I saw that as like kind of being on not being, um, just not being worthy enough and not fitting in because I was so sensitive. But what Mm -hmm. I've learned is that my sensitivity is my superpower. And because I'm so sensitive, I feel a lot of feelings and therefore those feelings are calling me to process them in real time. And that's really where my healing has happened. Mm -hmm. 
Did we, I don't think we fully touched on it, but I don't want to gloss over because I think it's super important. This idea of like trauma being stored in our bodies. I know like, what does that mean yeah. when people say that? And then like, what kind of damage can that do? Cause I feel like I've, I've been, I've lived that a little bit, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it, Ashley. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, there's, there's that book there's, there's, and I haven't read this book, but I've had so many people tell me about it. The body keeps score. Yes, I'm listening it to it right cover. now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm like, that's next on my audible list. Yeah. But I just want to say like for someone who experienced trauma very early on in childhood, um, after my dad died, I put, I, I felt like I didn't need to address what happened to him. You know, he, he died. I was back in school a week later, wow. supposed to act like everything was back to normal. I was an army colonel's daughter. So of course I had to be put, be strong and put on that mask of strength. And so what I did was bury those feelings of grief, trauma, despair, loneliness, isolation. And I put on a brave face and I smiled and I went on. Now that actually came like, because I buried those feelings, um, uh, it came out in different ways and adverse actions. So one, I became a chronic people pleaser because I had lost my lack, my, my self-worth. I had very, very poor boundaries because I was a people pleaser. Um, I was dishonest. I felt like I, I didn't always like give the truth to people who asked me. Mm. Um, I also had a work addiction and, uh, and later a, a, an alcohol addiction. I was just addicted to anything that would help numb me from my pain. Um, and because when I started feeling that pain, I'd be like, Oh, what can I do to make it go back down? Oh, I can go work. Oh, I can, I can drink a glass of wine. And it wasn't until this, my health crisis literally knocked me on my feet. I mm. couldn't move. Um, and, and that is when I was forced to get quiet and still. And I found that those feelings that I had been burying deep within for at that point, nearly 20, 25 years started bubbling up and were just calling and screaming to be addressed. And I do 100% affirm and believe that, um, my, the, the trauma grief that I did not process as a child exasperated my Lyme disease and my mm -hmm. postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead, Josie. I was just going to say that it actually is a question I have later on, which I was interested in. And I feel like obviously not for everyone. And I don't want to like like, you know, hurt anybody's feelings, but I do feel like there, that trauma really is connected to chronic illness for a lot of us or yeah. can yeah. make it worse. It can, it can bubble it up. I mean, I just think about the way that I was living my life in this constant traumatic state for myself in my early twenties, where I was, you know, working all the time when I was sick, I never let myself calm down. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm hit with Hashimoto's, which gives you chronic fatigue. Like I literally couldn't move. So like it kind of forced you into this space. And I do think that there is a connection with chronic illness and trauma. And, and you see it, you hear a lot of people talking about having a traumatic childhood or having, um, again, like I'm like, we we're talking about before, like different kinds of trauma, but it's still kind of feeding into this chronic illness space for sure. Right. Absolutely. I, I think that for sure. I mean, it's directly connected. It's, mm -hmm. it's, I spent, 
I was an Oscar worthy actress looking like I had everything on the outside. I was fine. And like, when I say that, like to give some examples, I was in high school, I was secretary of my class. I was of the dance team in college. I was president of my sorority. I was Mm -hmm. editor of the newspaper. I made sure I was checking off all the labels to Mm -hmm. make it look like an appear. Like I had Mm. my shit together Mm. and, and it, but like, if I like stripped all that away, who was I, I was, I was dying inside. Like, Mm. and so because I was dying inside, it started physically manifesting itself on the outside and where I physically felt like I was dying. I was sure of it that I was dying. I felt like it. I mean, yes, like I was, I was. And if I, if I hadn't changed the trajectory of my life and process so much trauma that I, and, and just feelings that anger that, that were left unaddressed. I don't know. I would be here today. Mm. I also feel like a lot of overachieving is actually avoidance of trauma. I, I feel like most people that I know personally, or that I come across who I would define as overachievers have had some fairly traumatic experiences in their life, especially now that we've unpacked what trauma really is and how it's not just that one singular big event, but it's also feeling hopeless, feeling helpless, being in situations Mm -hmm. where we just don't have the resources that we need to fully navigate them. Mm-hmm. And I, by achieving, we don't have to think about the trauma. It doesn't really exist in those moments because we're busy, like you said, checking off the list. I think that that could be a really good way. Maybe someone's on this journey and they have a feeling that maybe trauma is living in their body. I like how you also said trauma, it can be emotions. It can be being a person that you don't want to be, but it can also be physical sensations that are in the body. I feel like this could be a really good way for someone who might be struggling with, well, maybe I do have trauma. Maybe I don't start with, do you find the need to be constantly busy? Do you find Mm -hmm. the need to control aspects of your life to the point that you're putting energy into that, but you're not actually living. Mm -hmm. Those could be signs that you're trying to avoid trauma that is living in your body. Mm -hmm. That was, and that's, and how you described that was 100% me until Lyme disease literally knocked me off my feet. I would do everything I could to avoid feeling. Mm. Um, and that meant overworking, over drinking, um, destructive relationships was another symptom of burying trauma. Mm. Um, anything to numb myself and not have me think about these messy and uncomfortable feelings that were screaming to be addressed. And what I've learned is that these feelings, those feelings of trauma are for a reason. It's very primal. They're meant to alert us that something is wrong within ourselves or within our body and that we need to acknowledge it, be aware of it and address that. And, and how we address it can look like many different things for many different people. And I've tried so many over these couple of years I've been in my, on my healing journey, but I can say that once you do address those feelings, your life changes. Like I, like I am vibrant and healthy now because I know how to address feelings of, and I, I mean, we, we still all experience trauma. I have like, it's like an ongoing process. It's Mm -hmm. an ongoing process. So, but now when I have messy feelings and uncomfortable feelings bubble up, instead of burying them down inside me, I, I get quiet and I, and I get still. And I ask myself, what does my body need right now? in this moment. And sometimes it looks like just 10 deep breaths. Sometimes it looks like meditation. Sometimes it looks like 
walking in nature. Sometimes mm. it looks like screaming out loud, sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. crying. I mean, it's different, but I just ask, and like, that's really what my authentic power is. It's like getting quiet, getting still honoring and accessing that wisdom that I already know is inside me. It's inside each of you. It's inside all of your listeners and asking my body and myself, what is it that I need right now in this moment? And mm-hmm. then following that. Mm-hmm. I want to share something personal about myself. I've actually never shared this publicly. So this is a new, this is going to be a thing. It's, <laughs> I, I have a lot of shame around this, but I'm going to share it because I think this is a perfect example of how trauma was living in my body. And I didn't realize it for a long time. I dealt with mom rage mm-hmm. and not, well, I would say mom slash wife rage. So what I mean by that is I would blow up and just get furiously angry, throwing things, yelling. And it was like another person came out of me Mm. and I could feel something was inside of me needing to come out. And I always just said, oh, it's because I was triggered by this thing. But Mm. looking back now that I've moved on from that, I can see that I had a lot of stored emotions and trauma Mm -hmm. and just repressed feelings that were dying to get out. And it's almost like I would use the smallest trigger. So, and what would happen, the reason I tell this story is you mentioned relationships. So hubby and I got caught in this vicious cycle of we would scream at each other or do just really destructive things. Usually I would instigate it. But, and then, you know, after a while, someone gets poked enough. And so then I started thinking it was the marriage that was the problem when really Mm -hmm. it was my trauma that was just trying Mm -hmm. and also hubby's trauma. We later realized trying to bring itself to the surface. So Mm -hmm. it's like our trauma was warring with each other and we both felt like totally different people. We felt this massive shame once that anger had rolled through us. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I say all that because I know a lot of people have this side to them, maybe where they feel like there's this part of them that can't control that rage or that anger. And I now realize after having gone through it, been in therapy, all the things, and because now I can respond to the same stimulus mm. with a totally different reaction than before. That's how I know mm-hmm. that I moved through something, but it was so clear. Trauma mm. was living in my freaking body. And it was, it was like, okay, we're going to use that as a way to get out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah. Like I totally, I totally feel that. I think it's interesting that you're bringing that up. I'll I'll be honest about mine. So for me, um, I've always been, I disassociate. So I, and I used to think it was a superpower, which is also interesting. I remember when I was younger, like in my twenties, you know, you know, a friend or an ex-boyfriend or something would hurt me. I could just turn off and I no longer felt anything toward them. I could become apathetic very quickly. Mm-hmm. I would just focus on other things. Like we were talking about with being busy with like, um, with, for me, it was always, yeah, the being busy. Like you were talking about, Ashley, I was very much involved in everything. I still kind of am, but, or I would like, um, I was a big reader and like watcher of like fiction TV and stuff like that, which isn't terrible, but when you're doing it, all the time because you're trying to disassociate Mm -hmm. from your current world and put yourself into a new world. So for me, I was angry or I had these emotions and I wouldn't, I would just 
turn them off. And I thought that I was like this magical person that could just like not feel things. And then, you know, I hit the right. And then I hit Mm -hmm. 30 and 30 years of disassociating caught up with me. And now it's like, you know, you know, those emotions and those traumas will come back, whether it's physical, which I feel like has come for me, but also they just manifest. And eventually, you know, you think that you're like holding down these emotions and not feeling them. And that like makes you stronger but really it doesn't, it, it comes out at some point. And then, you know, then you have this boil over of all these emotions you've never felt before. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. So it's, I appreciate you sharing your story, Christina too, but like mine, mine is, I understand where you're coming from, but mine kind of came in in a different way. Whereas I just like pretended like I didn't feel anything. And yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy what our bodies will do to try to protect us from feeling what we actually need to feel. But one of the things Mm -hmm. I'm learning, which I'm sure you understand too, Ashley is like, it's actually easier to feel the initial feeling (laughs) than it is to like hold back and not feel it. Right. And then like have to move through it at a later time. So it's, it's crazy what our bodies will do to protect us, or maybe it's our minds. Our minds are trying to protect us, but our bodies are like, no, I just need to get this out. Let me get it out. Right. In any way possible. And can we also talk about how, if we go to the doctor in this state, Mm. Ashley, I know that you'll have some good thoughts on this. If we go to the doctor in this state, we'll likely be diagnosed and given some sort of tag, if you will, Mm -hmm. four years on planet earth. 34. Yeah. 34. (laughs) I actually have a doctor who she recommended some books that you only read if you're woke, (laughs) right? She recommended the book. She recommended a book called why zebras don't get ulcers. She really believes in the trauma response and she's not quick to label me. And I've never had that ever. Any Mm -hmm. other doctor that I would have taken this concern to, I guarantee you right off the bat, you have, you have anxiety, you have depression, which I probably did, but let me work through that in a way that works for me. Cause for me personally, SSRIs and whatever else that they would try to put me on made me crazy, which I now know is actually a genetic thing. And I would always say, I don't think that's the answer, but they didn't for me, or Mm -hmm. I will say, I love therapy, but traditional talk therapy does not always go into the deeper layers of trauma and trauma work and actually working through. It's like, you almost have to dig up the roots and replant the tree. You Mm -hmm. can't just water it. And so I, I just think a lot of people, I I just want to, I want to say this and I say it with caution because I also don't want anyone to feel shamed if they have to go the medication route or if they do have some sort of label, but I just want to make it clear that if you like me have not had a good reaction to those things and you're, you're looking for maybe a different path for me, once I really started to dig into the trauma, I am like a whole different person now. I, mm-hmm. I, I say that. So I, I can't tell you how just the fact that I don't get crazy <laughs> over the same mm-hmm. exact stimulus, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a testament to that. And I, so I think I think we need to look deeper. I think the mental health community, I could see in the next decade, maybe more studies coming out about trauma. The body keeps the scores actually by a psychiatrist. He's mm-hmm. a renowned psychiatrist. His work has been featured in over 150 peer reviewed articles, studies. I mean, it's, it, it's not like he can just be thrown out as a quack, which right. is unfortunate <laughs> that some people are right. But what I love about that is because he is so well-respected in his field, the things that he has to say about trauma as it relates to mental health, what it, they're just so, you, you can't deny that truth. 
And he, and then he talks about, for example, medication, but he uses it as an adjunct to the trauma work. He never mm-hmm. just puts someone on something and then is like, call me back in six months. No, right. He's like, what did you experience in your childhood? What are you yeah. repressing? What physical symptoms? When's the last time you were asked those questions mm-hmm. and, and truly asked those questions? And I just, I just want to throw that out there, that there are other ways that we can navigate. And sometimes we need those, those helpers. But to me, doing that trauma work is where we can really start to heal that root. And also, and such a great point, Christina, and like to that point that doing that trauma work looks different for me does for you than it does for Jesse. And I think that is a big problem with conventional traditional medicine is that it's a one size fits all approach. Like you are depressed, therefore you need an SSRI. Whereas Mm. like there, there's no further exploration of you're having these depressed feelings where might that be? Where's the source? Where might might that be coming from? Mm. And, and that's why, and that's something that I learned because of course, like I went to doctors, I was told I was depressed and I had three kids and I was anxious and da, 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 da. But I knew by listening to myself, like deep down, I was like, that's not it. Mm. That's not it. I had a voice like crying out to me saying, Ashley, there's more to it than that. It is not because you're a mom to three babies under five right now. That's not it. Of course, that's like adding sleepless nights. But like that inner, that inner knowing, that inner voice, that inner wisdom, which is what I call your authentic power told me that like, no, 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 that's not it. And, and you need to explore some other things. And that's when I went on this exploration of healing. And I learned that like, what's working for me works for me, Mm. but it might not work for you. And that my book is a testament of what worked for me and all the interviews with all the healing experts that I worked with and that I also knew about and were my friends. But that's just to inspire people to experiment with things that may or may not work for you. Because something else that I always say is like, it wasn't ever one drug or one, or yoga. It wasn't yoga alone. It wasn't, it wasn't Reiki alone. It wasn't meditation alone. It wasn't breath work alone. I, it was like little steps of trying every little thing and then piecing it all together for me. That's what worked. But when I was first on my healing journey, I thought I was going to have this this amazing doctor who was going to be my angel, who was going to come down from heaven and (laughs) heal me and make me better. And I was so disappointed to find out after like Dr. 10, that that was not where that was not what was going to happen, that Mm -hmm. it was up to me, not up to anyone else to heal myself. And that's when I came to that realization, that's when the healing began. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think a big piece of that, I've actually stopped. So I used really mad and I felt like I needed to fight back. And now I realize that they are operating under the dogma of the organizations they work for. Right. And they almost feel weird or awkward when they go against the grain. And mm-hmm. actually they are oftentimes ostracized by their peers when they, yeah. when they go against the grain and they think outside the box and they think alternatively. Right. I think there's a lot of that in that industry that doesn't get talked about. There's an immense amount of peer pressure in the medical world to subscribe to the theory. Mm-hmm. And what we don't realize is that theory is probably going to evolve over time and it's okay to question the narrative. And mm-hmm. I feel like we need more doctors like that, but we just, I think they're stuck in this system, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I mean, I questioned that narrative, what I learned, and this was like a really hard thing for me that would, if I went to the doctor's appointments by myself, I would get written off as like a crazy housewife, like mm-hmm. who just is bored and is like 
crying about symptoms. When my husband came with me, they paid more attention to me. And that was like the most annoying thing. I was like, why do I need a male in this room to validate how I'm feeling? And it was so hard. I'm like, thank God he came. But at the same time, there was a huge difference when he came with me versus me going alone. And I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. I mean, I remember when I made that transition from conventional to, um, to functional or natural health, it was, it was because I would just was desperate for somebody to listen to me. Right. Like I, I went to a few functional medicine doctors who I just like, didn't, didn't vibe with because I felt like they were still pushing stuff that I wasn't ready Mm -hmm. for too. And then when I met my naturopath, she thankfully works at a functional medicine doctor office. So she can prescribe things. Whereas most naturopaths can't because she prescribed it through someone else. But anyway, I remember sitting with her in my first, um, my first meeting with her and it was like an hour and a half. And I was like, she asked me, like how my family got along growing up and like how, you know, all of these things. And I just remember being coming out of that and being like, I don't think even my therapist has asked me that much questions about like, you know, and she like truly dug into it. And she's the reason, I mean, I've worked with her now for like four years and I, I live in an entirely different state and I pay out of pocket to work with her, which is very difficult to do, but because she's the only person that actually digs into that kind of stuff. And I think that it's really hard to find practitioners like that. And, you know, quote unquote, I'm lucky enough right now to be able to pay out of pocket to see her three times a year, but a lot of people can't do that. And it's, yeah, there's just, there's so much to be said about like finding the right doctor and, and the stuff that you have to go through. Like you're talking about Ashley with having to bring your husband. And thankfully I didn't have to do that, but I know so many people just are just trying to find somebody to listen to them. And it's impossible. That's it's so true. And and like, it was true. I mean, I did finally find a doctor to treat me with Lyme disease who listened, but mm-hmm. at that point I was already on my own journey. I was right. like, I was, I had already kind of started to heal because I realized that this healing was way deeper than physical healing. Like these mm-hmm. physical symptoms were being exasperated by unaddressed trauma and this was then is I realized it had begun to be much more of a spiritual journey for me than anything else. And so mm-hmm. it's when I started addressing that spiritual aspect, um, and I got, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, when I say spiritual, I'm spiritual, not religious. I was raised Catholic, but I really just started praying on my own and mm-hmm. speaking to the divine and also connecting with loved ones who have crossed over and, and learning how to do sacred writing, also learning about the law of attraction that with like that type of spiritual healing was really what jump started me to start physically feeling better too. When I started believing I was going to heal, I would wake up the next day feeling a little bit better. Even if it was like 0.0005% better, <laughs> I was like, Oh, I feel it's a, win. a little bit better. Yep. It's a win. And we all know that if we're going through a chronic illness, if you are feeling a little bit better, that is a huge win. So I just want to say that too, that like for me, um, and I think for many people, it, it does become a spiritual journey. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until I started addressing the spiritual and emotional aspect of the healing that needed to happen. Did the physical s- symptoms start to lift as well? 
Mm-hmm. And that actually leads me to my next question, because I love leaving our listeners with something tangible, your feel method. I want to dive into this a little bit. I think this is such a great tool that can be used. What I like about it is it can be used anywhere in any setting. It doesn't take any sort of ritualization. I think that's what stops people from doing certain things because they feel like they actually have to slow down and maybe they're not ready for that yet. So what is the feel method? Can you map that out for us? Yes. Thank you. I love this. So this again came up, like I've done, I did so much journaling in the pandemic. And I, when I, again, had those really messy, bubbly feelings bubbling up. I was like, okay, I know what to do. What have I done in the past? What helped me through Lyme disease? I said, okay, well, first I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus on that emotion that I'm feeling. And I also want to say, it's okay if you can't identify and name that emotion, because sometimes we just don't know. It's just like, I've got a bad feeling, right? Mm -hmm. We say like, I've got a bad feeling in my gut. So focus on what it is. And it could be a sensation. It could be a label. And again, like I said, it's okay if it's not. Now, the next part is the part that we usually always skip because it's way too uncomfortable. It's enter within that emotion. So instead Mm -hmm. of like burying it deep down, you're going to be like, okay, messy feeling. Where are you showing up for me? I'm going to go into it and feel it in my gut. Now, this can look like a couple different things. It could be a meditation. It could be you just laying in bed. It could be you be doing breath work. It could be you doing this through a yoga flow. It could be you um, like driving in the car. Really, it's something that you can do anywhere. It's just about having the awareness and mindfulness that you are actually pro- teaching yourself how to process this emotion. So focus and then enter. So then the next part, it gets even harder, is experience that emotion. So it's like, oh God, okay, I feel it coming up from my, in my stomach or like, what is that feeling in my shoulders? Or you just sit and pause and you notice if you sit and pause and really start to feel it and get quiet. And sometimes it means putting your hand on your heart. You will be called to cry, scream, laugh, like anything, a punch something like punch a pillow in a safe way, but process it experience in a safe way. So for me, oftentimes, and I had, um, I had some uncomfortable feelings come up uh, about two weeks ago and I felt called to just get on my mat, my yoga mat and just close my eyes. And I was like, you know what? Child's pose. And I entered within it and I just sobbed. Mm. And so then, you know, and it can take a minute. It can take five minutes. If you want to do this for an hour, this is all up to you. This is really your, like what I call your authentic power. Listen to your inner wisdom to tell you what you need to move through this emotion. So on that particular day, it was like 20 minutes of crying. So then I paused and I was like, okay, to, I, I need to listen to that emotion. What is it here to teach me? Learn from emotion and love that emotion back. Mm. And that's something that we don't do. So there are all sort of like messy, uncomfortable emotion, emotions that we don't want to acknowledge. But what I've learned is that they're here for a reason. I love it when I'm sad because that means I have something to be sad about or anger because I care so deeply for something. So anger, thank you for being there for me to show me X, right? So love that emotion. What is that emotion here to teach you? Learn from that emotion. Listen to that emotion. So that's where I came from up with feel. Focus, enter, experience, listen, learn, and love. And at Mm. the end, this is what I say. At the end, you might not notice anything. You might not notice that you feel better because sometimes the residual effects of processing emotions don't actually happen until like a week later or a month later. And I'll be honest, like when I went through the feel framework two weeks ago with this um, certain experience, 
I felt okay afterwards. I kind of felt like it was still there. Like I still wanted to shake it off. But then a, a day later, I was like, I'm feeling better about this. And now I am, here I am with this experience. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so so empowered. I'm looking at it completely differently. It's because I allowed myself to move through that uncomfortable process of, of really feeling it. And that's where the feel framework framework came from. And that's, I taught this to myself while I was going through Lyme disease and I put a label on it during the pandemic. And like, really it's like, I spelled it out and I was like, wait a second. It literally spells feel like Mm. what are the odds? It was like so (laughs) divinely orchestrated. And that's like, again, it goes by accessing my own authentic power. That's where it came from. It was like this divine gift that I was like, came to me while I was named and, um, yeah. And, and, and I can tell you for me, it works for anyone else who wants to try it. I would love to know how it works for you. But like I said, um, you know, you might not notice anything right away, but you will for sure feel a difference, maybe 48 to 24, 48, a week later, a month later, just notice how you're starting to feel after you go through it. Give it time because we all know that healing takes time for me. Healing was the slowest, most excruciating process. I felt like an inchworm inching <laughs> across like the, a globe. Like I can't even tell you. And I know we all feel that going yeah, through a chronic a illness. Feel that. Mm. Oh, it's, it's so long, but it's also many ways needed and necessary. It's our body telling us to like, slow down, go slow, go through this moment. And therein is the healing. And here I am today. And I feel great. I'm, I physically feel great. And I know a lot of that has to do is because I have allowed myself to process my grief and I continue to process my trauma on a daily basis. Mm. I love that. That's so powerful. And that's such an, like an easy way to remember how to move through something when you're in it, because I feel like when you're in that emotion, you sometimes are like, I don't know what to do. So then, you know, your fight or flight picks up and a lot of times we run from it. And this is like a, yeah. a, a simple way to remember, okay, like, how am I going to, how am I going to feel through this? Right. Like how, what am I going to do mm-hmm. that just a couple of things and it helps you work through that. And so I appreciate you sharing that with us because I think, um, I think that'll be really helpful for our listeners. I know I'm going to remember to do that next time <laughs> that I'm, that I'm feeling that way. So I appreciate that. Um, I want to make sure that we, we've talked about your book within like throughout this whole interview, but I want you to kind of tell us about your book and when it comes out, where people can get it and who this book would be good for. Oh, thank you. Yes. So my book, Authentic Power, Give Yourself Permission to Feel comes out December 7th, 2021. And um, it is my healing journey of experiencing childhood trauma. And then later in my thirties, a chronic illness um, with postpartum depression, all while I was you know, raising three young kids and being a business owner. Um, the, the book is also woven with stories and advice from over, I think there's a total of 24 healing luminaries and experts that I've interviewed, um, who helped me heal my spiritual, spiritual mentor, Leanne Taylor to my favorite master herbologist, Amber Bodily, to some of my favorite psychologists and psycho psychiatrists, my dear, dear, friend, Emma Seppala, who's a Stanford and Yale psychologist and author of the happiness track. She wrote the forge. She's been with me on this Mm. healing journey. And, um, that's, I mean, like, because I really wanted to show that like, I did heal myself alone, but it really does take a community. It's not that one doctor. It was spiritually 
It was mentally, it was physically, and it was emotionally. And um, because I'm a publicist by day and I own a PR firm, I have access to some of the greatest minds in the world and they are my friends. So I felt very called to include their wisdom within my book as well. Mm-hmm. So um, they're, they're in, um, that's where authentic power, give yourself permission to feel was born. And I'm just so proud of it. And um it really is just a testament to like how far I've come. <laughs> I'm a completely different person that I am today than I was six, seven years ago. And um, I have a lot of that inner work and, and processing my feelings for it. Mm. And I feel like we're doing a disservice if we don't share that with people. Mm. Everything that I share, sometimes I, I give the disclaimer, I'm not on a high horse. I am here to tell you that I have screwed up and I want to show you what I did to overcome that. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a difference between, oh my gosh, I'm just better. And I'm going to tell you how to be better. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, I went through it and I went through the mud <laughs> and I was down and I was out. And if I can spare someone from that or help someone through that, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. And sometimes that looks like t- tough love. Sometimes that looks like, I don't know, soft love, but either way it's love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So true. And so it'll be available in pretty much anywhere you can buy books. Right. Because I think this episode will go up Mm -hmm. after it's available. So we'll make sure to link it in the show notes if anybody wants to grab it. But yeah, okay. I'm excited. I want to read all the it. major bookstores. <laughs> yeah. Yay. So, we'll make sure to get you both copies for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'll read it. I'm a reader for sure. Yeah, same voracious <laughs> reader. All right. So before we wrap up, I want to ask you something. We like to ask every guest this question. And that is what is something that you do every day that keeps you feeling your best? Gosh, okay. Well, can I say two things? You can mm-hmm. say two. You can say a million. Okay, one, whatever comes to you. Get out in nature every single day. It doesn't matter. I have mm-hmm. to like get outside every day. Mm-hmm. And so like, and I, I like, I'm on work calls. I take them on when I'm walking, but getting out in nature is so vital for me. And then the other thing that I feel like I do a lot, but I'll give one more thing um, <laughs> is that I, when I wake up, I will take 10 deep breaths. And like, before I do anything, before I get out of bed, before I touch my phone or like whatever, I'll sometimes put my hand on my heart and I just take 10 deep, slow breaths just to connect with myself before I start connecting with the world. And then Mm -hmm. I also know that I have those 10 deep breaths that I can carry with me throughout the day. And when I need to stop and pause and reconnect with myself, your breath is always there for you. And mm-hmm. so like, that's something for me. I do that every day. I reconnect with myself by connecting with my breath on a daily basis, starting in the morning and then multiple days throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I want to repeat that really quick. Cause that was really powerful. I connecting with yourself before you connect with the world. There's so much intention behind that. And mm-hmm. so many of us jolt right out of bed and go yeah. straight into consumption mode. I just did a video about digital boundaries for this reason. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, I wanted to bring that quote out. I'll probably use that on the, on our feed. I just, (laughs) I love that. I feel like we don't do that enough. We don't connect with ourselves. And then because you also mentioned being an HSP, which many of us chronic illness warriors are, Mm -hmm. you mentioned (laughs) absorbing energy. How often do we go through the day and we're not sure if it's our energy or some person that we interacted with earlier (laughs) (laughs) all day. HSPs. I feel you. That is me all day long. And I'm Mm. always like, these are not my emotions. These are not my emotions. It's not geared towards me, but like, you do have to, some, you have to be protective as an HSP and, mm-hmm. and like one way to like connect and like maybe draw that line or put yourself in a bubble. I do, um, 
protective bubble meditations that really mm. do help me. Um, but also just hand on your heart, deep breathing, connecting mm. with yourself and knowing that like the emotions that other people are expressing are not your own. <laughs> yes. Love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That's always such like a difficult thing to do in practice, but it's so helpful, especially for so us helpful. HSPs out there. For yes. sure. <laughs> so if people wanted to connect with you, is there any way that they could do that online? Yes. Yeah, so my website, ashleybernardi.com, that's A-S-H-L-E-Y Bernardi, B-E-R-N-A-R-D-I is the best way to find everything. You can get my book, blogs, you can connect with me. My social media links are there. Everything will be there. Perfect. We love that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. I really loved this conversation and I know that everybody's um, really going to connect with it after they listen. So we really appreciate you being here and sharing your story. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Lots of good nuggets of wisdom. Thank you, Jesse and Christina. This was amazing. You two are incredible HSP warriors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you.